Christ. Amen. Good morning. Welcome to Christ the King. We have a full morning, so let's jump right into it. We're in the, uh, the passage of Mark chapter 1. You'll be, uh, it will be helpful to have that uh, scripture open in front of you. Our sermon series is uh, to reintroduce ourselves to Jesus, and we're looking at uh, the first few chapters of Mark's gospel. We'll make two observations from this passage, and that will lead to two applications. One observation is uh, kind of low-hanging fruit, and the other observation from this passage I found a little surprising. Hope you do too. So the first observation from this passage is that Jesus is a very tender, compassionate person. No surprise. If you know anything about Jesus, well, that's probably one of the things that you think about when you think about Jesus. He is tender and he is compassionate, and there's no story better than this one that highlights his tenderness and compassion. A little bit about his compassion. You know, uh, leprosy in biblical times and ancient times was a, a horrid disease. You heard the reaction uh, from our Old Testament lesson. It was, it was equated to raising the dead. Can I heal someone from leprosy? Can I raise the dead? It was that devastating. Uh, it was a broad umbrella term applied to uh, skin ailments, uh, which horribly disfigured uh, the, the patient. Uh, largely uncurable, highly contagious. It was a bad thing. Uh, we just came out of two years of pandemic for those first months. Uh, most of us were on pretty tight uh, uh, quarantine and restrictions. Uh, maybe you've had a, you know, a sniffles or something where you've had to re-enter a quarantine. Um, I remember the first time I had a side hug. <laughs> right? Remember that? Can't touch. No one but your family. Um, I like my family. <laughs> but the first time I shook a hand or the first time I put my arm around someone, it was so refreshing uh, it's such a welcome return to normalcy. So this, we went for three months, maybe six months without human touch. This man, three years, six years, 30 years, 60 years, he was likely never touched because of how horrid that disease was. He never touched until Jesus touched him. And the touch of Jesus reveals his compassion. Notice he didn't heal, then touch. He touched, then heal. And the compassion, the tender touch of Jesus is motivated by his compassion. In our passage, it says, moved with pity, he reached out his hand and touched him. Interesting word, moved with pity. Uh, one of my first experiences as a curate, it's a, it's a young clergy person, I went to visit uh, a someone not too much older than me, probably my age now, um, which seemed old then, doesn't seem old now. Uh, I visited him, he was sick with terminal cancer. He had children in high school, uh, and it was out of the blue, and it was surprising and tragic, fill in the blanks. And uh, I visited him in his home, he'd been returned to hospice care, and I went back to my car and I was sick, sick to my stomach. And maybe some of you have had that experience where you encounter grief or encounter something that just should not be, and you have a visceral, down to your bones, you feel it. And that's exactly what is communicated here. He is moved. Jesus is moved down to his bones. Moved with pity, he touches the man. So we are confronted immediately. I shouldn't say confronted. We are comforted uh, immediately with this portrayal of Jesus as someone with remarkable compassion, tenderness, and touch. 
So that's the first observation. Now the second observation I found a little bit surprising. If we just stop there with the first few verses, he stretched out his hand and touched him. I will be clean. The leprosy left him. If we stopped there, we'd have half a story and half a picture of Jesus. Because the second half of the story is really interesting. And as tender as the first half is, is as tough as the second half. Follow along with me. Here's where it gets interesting. Verse 43, Jesus sternly charged him and sent him away at once, said, See that you say nothing to, nothing to anyone, but go show yourself to a priest and offer yourself as cleansing. All right, so, again, due to the devastating nature of leprosy, there were uh, prescribed laws and rituals that one would have to go to in order to prove that they were clean. And that's exactly what Jesus is saying. Go uh, do the law of Moses. Do what you're supposed to do and prove yourself that you're clean. All right, so that's the content. We'll come back to that a little bit later. But what I, want, I, what I want us to note is not so much the content, but the tone. Look at that first word. Jesus sternly charged him. That word shows up in other places, and it shows up translated as the word scold. So the disciples wrongly criticize a woman. This is later on. This is the use of the word. The disciples wrongly criticize a woman who gives a lavish gift to Jesus, and the disciples scold her. Same word here. Jesus is not saying, hey, why don't you think about... He is he's scolding. Go. Go and do it. This word... Um, he sent him away at once. Again, a very, very tough word. We find this word sent away all throughout, the, all throughout the Gospels. You know where we find it? When Jesus casts out a demon, which he does quite often. Whenever the Bible describes Jesus casting out a demon, it says this. He sent him away with force. He is not saying, again, I note the toughness. It's almost like whiplash. Here we have the tenderness, the touch of Jesus, and all of a sudden it translates and transitions into this, not just a little bit tough, but extremely tough. You go and do it and go and do it now. Our purpose for this sermon series is to reintroduce ourselves to the remarkable figure that fills the pages of the gospel and is at the center of our faith and he is not a simple person. He is a complex person. He is one of a kind. Uh, the theologian James Stewart said it better than I can so I quote him. James Stewart writes this, Jesus was the meekest and the lowliest of all the sons of men, yet he spoke of the coming, yet he spoke of coming on the clouds of heaven with the glory of God. He was so austere, so stern, that evil spirits and demons cried out in terror at his coming, yet he was so gentle and winsome and approachable that children played in his arms. No one was half so kind or compassionate to sinners, yet no one ever spoke such red-hot, scorching words about sin. A bruised reed he would not break. Yet on one occasion he demanded of the Pharisees how they expected to escape the damnation of hell. 
He was a servant of all. He washed his disciples' feet. Yet he masterfully strode into the temple, and the hucksters and the money changers fell over one another to get away in their mad rush from the fire they saw blazing in his eyes. There is nothing in history like the union of contrasts which confronts us in the Gospels. The mystery of Jesus is the mystery of a divine personality. And it shines right here as Mark introduces us to Jesus. He is not a little tender. He is not a little tough. He is both fully all together at the same time. Now, here's that's our observation. Two observations, the tenderness and toughness of Jesus. And we've already touched on the first application. It's really the theme of this series. I want us to remember how unique Jesus is. It's easy for us to simplify Jesus. Uh, this sermon will be a case in point. We, I drafted this sermon series earlier in the summer. I sent Anne, our worship director, the, the theme that I'd be thinking about. And I think the theme that I sent to her was Jesus, the one with compassion. Because that's what stood out to me upon initial reading. I, Jesus, the, I completely ignored the first, the second half. Because, frankly, the, 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 the tender Jesus, the Jesus who touches the sick, I like that Jesus. The, the scold, the stern Jesus, eek, a little less. <laughs> I like him, I just like him a little bit less, right? I like this, the Jesus who restores with a touch, not the Jesus who commands with his voice. Author and theologian Cornelius Planting, Plantinga wrote a book, A Breviary of Sin, which means that kind of a unpacking a description of the various ways the Bible talks about sin. And he observes that uh, while God made us in his image, we are quick to return the favor and make God in ours. He writes, do we really attend to the image of Jesus in scriptures, the one that judges and condemns as well as the one that affirms and comforts? How many believers believe in God, excuse me, how many believers believe in God and not some deified version of themselves? deified version of yourself. So, to the intellectual person, God is a cosmic Phi Beta Kappa. If we're laborers, God is a union organizer. If we're entrepreneurs, God is for free enterprise. If we're poor, God is a revolutionary. If we're rich, God is a watchman. The God of the Persians always looked like a Persian. Etc., etc., etc. And here's the thing. You don't want a God that looks like yourself. I, Jennifer, when I, Jennifer and I, my wife and I first started uh, Dating, she was also uh, dating someone, somebody else, uh, just casually, and eventually she made the right choice and married me. <laughs> and uh, I asked her, "Why'd you choose me over over the, the other guy?" And she said, uh, "Well, because I went to lunch with him, and it was he was just like me. It was like talking to myself, and I figured that would get boring after a while." And she's right. You don't want to marry yourself, and you certainly don't want to worship yourself. Not only is it idolatrous, it's boring. Like you want a Jesus like this, someone who is surprising, someone that you can't put in a box. And friends, here's the thing, if you and I are never taken aback, if we never think, ooh, gosh, that's not something I would say or do, 
then we're likely just worshiping or following a deified version of ourselves. Boring and wrong, right? So don't do it. <laughs> Mo moving on. Uh, so remember the, 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 the startling figure of Jesus. Unique. You've never met anyone like him. No one half as tender, no one half as tough, and certainly no one has both those in one person. Moving on. The uniqueness of Christ, the uniqueness of the Christian experience. Because Christ has experienced, the Christian experience is unique as well. What I mean is that Jesus is tough and he is tender, and that means the Christian should be the person who experiences a little bit of the toughness and the tenderness of Christ. Let me start with a personal example. Um, we were closed on this property in June, uh, and while we were searching for this property, the Psalms were a great help to me. I would read the Psalms and I'd find a little bit of our story reflected in, in, in the Psalms. And Psalm 105 recounts the Israelites' search for a permanent home. How God cared for his people when they were few in number, when they were wandering from nation to nation. And eventually God provided a home. And the Psalm comes to an end like this. He gave them the land of the nations. They took the possessions of the fruit of another's toil. And that's what happened. They took the, the land was called Cana. It was occupied by another land. They took the fruit of another's toil. Now I believe that God, by his providence, has enabled us to occupy this place. But the, that Psalm, Psalm 105, doesn't end with a period. It doesn't simply say God gave them the fruit of another's toil. Period. It says this. God gave them the land comma, so that they might give, excuse me, let me find the exact quote. He gave, the, he gave them the land of others, comma, so that they might keep his statutes and observe his law, period. This is a principle all throughout the Bible, that God gives so that we may return in gratitude a grateful heart of obedience. Uh, first pages of the Bible, Genesis. Abraham is told, I will bless you. God told Abraham, I will bless you so that you will be a blessing. In our Lord's Prayer, we're going to pray, may I forgive as I've been forgiven. The parables of Jesus will reiterate time and time again to those who are shown mercy, mercy is expected. And on and on and on it goes. Let's take a look at our story, the, the leper. He approached Jesus in need, please, Jesus, and he received a tender touch of Jesus. And Jesus says, now go and follow the law. And this person says, thanks, Jesus, for your touch. I'm going to pass on your voice. Thank you for your tenderness. I'm going to pass on your toughness. And maybe you can see where the point of application is leading that we need to think of ourselves a little bit in the position of the leper. That we are those who have experienced a little bit of the tender touch of Jesus. We have heard him say to each of us, come to me all you who labor, heavy laden, take my yoke, learn from me. My yoke is easy, my burden is light. And for all of us to look to the cross, to look to the tenderness of Jesus and say, yes, he died for me, he is for me. Christians are those people who have in some small way experienced what this leper experienced, the tender touch of Jesus. Therefore, 
we should also be the type of people who listen to the voice of Jesus. We who have known his touch also need to listen to his voice. This Sunday where we're launching our outreach ministries, our church is phenomenally generous financially. I hope that our church can be generous with their time. We have great outreach partners, one of whom is with us this morning. It is our hope that our outreach partners will facilitate connection. On October 8th, we're going on a, a farm day with Casa Chirilago, and it's my hope that many from our church will participate, not just contribute, but, but give the gift of their time. And I don't know about you, but the gift of my time is much more precious than the gift of my money. But generosity and hospitality are two consistent expectations that run from the start of the Bible to the end. And for those who have known the tenderness of God, generosity and hospitality are, 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 are part of the deal. Now here's what I'm not saying. I'm not trying to lay a guilt trip on you. I'm not trying to say God is a cosmic scorekeeper. I'm not trying to compel your participation. I'm simply trying to uh, articulate a principle that I see throughout the Bible. I see reflected in this passage that those who have known the tender touch must also though be those who listen to his commanding voice. And this is captured best in the prayer that ends our service, the post-communion prayer. And here we come to a close, which we'll pray, we thank you, Lord, for your tenderness. And we thank you for feeding us with the spiritual food, your broken body, your blood shed. And now we listen to your voice as you send us out into the world to love and serve you as a faithful witness of, of Christ, in whose name we pray. Do you know his touch? Then listen to his voice. Please rise. Let us confess our faith in the words of the Nicene Creed. <clears throat> 